I will send for many hunters, and they will hunt them down on every mountain and hills from the crest of this rock. What I what I what I what what minister to my spirit in these verses days? Jesus said in Matthew thirteen forty seven. He said, once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was led down into the lake and caught all kind of fish. So what God is saying is that in that time during the when Jeremiah era, there are people who are still believing God, but there are so many who have derived from righteousness. And then in Matthew 13, 48, say when it, it say when it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in the basket and threw the bad one away. So what Lord said, we need to be careful in this our time, in this end time. We can't say we are a Christian and begin to do worship with God. You know, you can't come to church Sunday, Sunday and say you are a Christian. You can't come to church and you still have something you hold on to, which is of the world. So we need to be very, very careful. We must say we believe. We must say we are serving the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. But the only thing we need to search ourselves deep inside, where do we belong in Christ? What the Lord is saying that He said, I search every heart. He said, everybody will give a can on the last day. And then he said, my angel will separate the good from the bad. And he will carry those who are bad and throw it to the burning surface forever. Praise God. Praise the Lord. I'm just going to start from Jeremiah chapter 1 itself. And from verse 1. And this is about who Jeremiah was, the beginning of Jeremiah. He was a son of a priest. But that's not only. It's it's like Jeremiah stands for most of our children at this time. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 1, I think verse 6, that prince and kingdom God has made us to be unto our God. So all our children at present, they are prince as well. And they are children of prince. So they have a calling upon their lives. But Jeremiah was so important that he was relevant as a messenger of God, as the priest that we have. We have to be relevant. He was relevant in three generations, in three reigns of different kings. Two of them were from the same father. What are you doing? Adenike, that's my name, at this time. How are you reigning in this land? What is the message God has put in your mouth? And those are the things that I cannot move away from that chapter that keeps on coming to me daily, that what is the message God has put in our mouth. And it says that it reigns in three, during the reign of three kings. And I think if you do the math together, I think I did it. It was more than 33 years. I can't remember exact word, but I sat down to do the years. And that's very important. And after that, the word of the Lord came to him. And throughout Jeremiah, the word of the Lord did not stop coming to him. And it was after that that he started seeing vision until he understood his calling in verse 6 that he now understands that when he says, oh, he stopped giving excuses and surrender to God. That, okay, I'm no longer young, but I'm available for God to use me. That's when the vision started and that's when he could able to go. Even if we read later, later in, in Jeremiah, we notice that, thank you.
Um, my, I'm going to contribute from Jeremiah chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. The word of the Lord came to me, go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says, I remember the devotion of your youth, how, how as a bride you loved me and followed me through the wilderness, through a land not sown. Three, Israel, Israel was holy to the Lord, the first fruits of his harvest. All who devoured her were held guilty, and disaster overtook them, declares the Lord. God reminds Jerusalem of the days when the people sought him, loved and followed him in the wilderness. And as a result, God held, God, God held them as a special people and referred to him as his, them as his bride. As a result, those who devoured her were held guilty, and disaster overtook them. This reminds me to a similar warning God gave the church at Ephesus through John in the book of Revelation chapter 2. Despite the fact that the church of Ephesus persevered and endured hardship, which is similar to following him through the wilderness described in the book of Jeremiah chapter 2, God held one thing against them, and that was they had forsaken their first love. How do we forsake our first love? By not seeking him, calling out to him regularly, studying the word, attending services, prayer meetings. By not loving him, by not loving him, following and obeying his commands. The Bible says, if you truly are his disciple, you will obey his commands, John 14:15. And not following him when you no longer follow God's ways, you are essentially saying, I don't need him, I don't need you, I have no regard for you, and ultimately the fear of that person, of God, will diminish. Ironically, Apostle has been teaching us at the time about the three pillars into the supernatural, and he said the key things to do are the, are the following. Call on him, Psalm 145, 18. Fear him, Psalm 145, 19. Love him, Psalm 145, 20. Therefore, God is reminding the church and instructing the church to do what we did in the beginning because when we forsake God, the penalties are destruction and death. Jeremiah 2. I am going to be talking about Jeremiah 15:19. It says, Therefore, this is what the Lord says, If you repent, I will restore you, that you may serve me, not utter worthless words. You will be my spokesman. Let this people turn to you, I, but you must not turn to them. No matter how bad the sins of Manasseh, son of Hezekiah was, if the people of Judah still cried out to the Lord, he would have forgave them if they cried out with a sincere heart. It says in Isaiah 1.18, Come, now let us settle this matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are like as red as crimson, they shall be like wool. This is saying if we repent to God, he, he will settle the matter with us, and he is a forgiving, merciful God. Praise the Lord. I will be contributing on Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 4, and then verse 22. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 4 deals with the uncircumcised earth. When God Almighty was speaking with uh, the inhabitants of Judah and the people of Jerusalem. So, the lesson I learned here is that we should always allow God to operate on our hearts. And we should not depend on our own religious doings. For example, coming to church... Uh, be part of a department, be part of a group, and so on. Yes, 
They are part of the things we need to do. But we have to really depend upon God. We need to do, and we need to do that in the household of God, yes. But God wants truth deep in our hearts. He wants his truth to be very, very deep in our hearts. He wants us to serve and worship him in spirit and in truth. So we should pray to God for God to perform spiritual, uh, would I say spiritual surgery on our hearts. So that we have pure hearts and we'll be able to worship him in spirit and in truth. Then verse 22 says, my people are fools. They do not know me. They are senseless children. They have no understanding. They are skilled in doing evil. They know not how to do good. I mean, this part is not a portion in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. So what we should do is that we should always think of doing good. We should not be senseless children. Because it says, uh, yeah, we should not be senseless children. We should, not, we should listen to God. We should um, not do things in our own way, but in the ways of God. And when we have more good in us, when we do more good, I mean, like it said in my adage, I don't want to say it now. It is said in my adage that when the leaf, I would, I would, uh, when the leaf is in the soap, it becomes uh, eventually soap. So when we keep on doing good, keep on doing good, that good will really be part of us. So we should pray that God Almighty should enable and empower us because we are children of God. So that good should be instilled in us. And so we should pray Daniel, uh, Ephesians chapter 1. Verses 17 to 18, that God Almighty should give us the spirit of wisdom and understanding. Praise the Lord. My contribution is going to be from Jeremiah 8. Um, in verse 4 to 7 of Jeremiah 8, God tells Jeremiah to ask the people why sin has overtaken them to the point where their actions no longer make sense. Why does Jerusalem not get up after falling? Why they do not return after turning away? And why they remain turned away? Why do they cling to deceit? Why do they never say what is right? Why do they not repent from their wickedness? Each of them pursue their own course. The sin of the people was so ingrained in the society. They've been living in sin for so long, and none of them no longer knew the requirements of the Lord. Therefore, Hosea 4 verse 6 stands true. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. In today's society, it's so easy to be lost in things of the world. And as each generation learns from the former, the depth of sin grows deeper to the point where the truth is no longer recognizable. This is why, as believers, we must not conform to the pattern of this world, but we must be renewed in our minds, Romans 12, verse 2. In this way, we, may, we are able to fulfill God's will for our lives. The steps we need to take in renewing our minds towards God's requirements includes daily fellowship with God, praying regularly, reading and studying the word of God, partaking in the gathering of the saints like Bible studies. Iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another, Proverbs 27 verse 17. In verse 6, it says, each pursues their own course. This is the demise of the Israelites. They were serving God in their way. They thought that was right. And, and, and no wonder they were serving many gods. There was no reference for them to, ta to turn back. 
So we must learn that obedience is really powerful and we need to make sure that each generation that comes needs to know the truth of the Lord and to walk in obedience. Um, So starting Jeremiah, I think the key thing that stood out to me is that indeed there's nothing new under the sun, that that human history is just a repetition of us turning away from God and coming back. Um, so scripture that stood out to me was Jeremiah 2.5 says this is what the Lord says what fault did your ancestors find in me that they strayed so far from me they followed worthless idols and became worthless themselves and then in Jeremiah 10.23-24 you'll see that Jeremiah prayed a prayer which is based on the scripture it says Lord I know that people's lives are not their own it is not for them to direct their steps discipline me Lord but only in due measure not in your anger or you will reduce me to nothing so a key thing is that if we turn away from the Lord, we will become nothing. So it's that we either have two choices. It's either we choose to be nothing or choose to be seated at the right hand of Christ, as Ephesians 2, 6, 7 says. Praise God. Um, my, what stood out to me was from Jeremiah chapter 13, from verse 10. It says, These people who refuse to listen to my words, who follow the stubbornness of their hearts and go after other gods, to serve and worship them will be like this belt, completely useless. Verse 11 says, For as the belt is bound around the waist, so I bound all the people of Israel all, and all the people of Judah to me, declares the Lord, to be my people and my renown, renown and praise and honor, so that, but they have not listened. So what I really learned from this was that God's desire is for us to really love him. And it just shows me that God's love for us is great, even though um, we are um, human beings we turn away from God but God's love is so deep is so wide, wide, wide that we should understand the amount of love that the Father has on us. Amen. Praise the Lord. My taking is coming from the book of Jeremiah 15 verse 16 that says when your word came I ate them. They were my joy and my heart delight. For I bear your name, O Lord God Almighty. And I link that to um, Psalm 119, um, 103, that says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. And then it then goes further in uh, 104 that says, I gain understanding from your precept. Therefore, I hate, I hate every wrong path. And um, the following verse says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. This just shows that the word of God gives us counsel, gives us direction. Everything we need, we just have to delight in the word of God and let it be our daily habit. Let's not just read the word of God, but let's reach to understand and meditate upon those words and act upon it. Whenever we have a word of God and we implement it into our life, it then becomes active and it becomes alive in our being and I can testify of that when you rely on the word of God it becomes active in your life and it becomes real in Jesus name Um, my contribution is taken from Jeremiah chapter 10 um, verse 1 it says hear what the Lord says to you people of Israel this is what the Lord says do not learn the ways of the nations or be terrified by the signs in the heavens though the nations are terrified by them for the practices of the people are worthless. They cut a tree out of the forest, and craftsmen shapes in its it 
and the craftsman shape and and a craftsman shapes it with his chisel. From this, we can take away that um, we have to make sure that we stay true to everything that we're taught in the Bible and everything we learn at church because even though other, many people around us may be doing things that they think are good, we have to make sure we stay true to ourselves. Apostle mentioned it this Sunday. So even though we have to be able to have the confidence to, even though everyone around us may be saying that something is good, we know that from the Bible and from what we learn, it's not good. So we need to have that confidence. So yeah, that's my contribution. Praise the Lord. My contribution is taken from um, Jeremiah 1 verses verses 4 to 5, which reads, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. And and, um, in this passage, it's saying that God set Jeremiah apart the way that he set all of us apart. And I would just like us to pray that um, we will take God's word seriously so that uh, we will strive. Amen. Praise the Lord. My contribution is from Jeremiah chapter 13, verse 15 to 17, which reads, Hear and pay attention. Do not be arrogant, for the Lord has spoken. Give glory to the Lord your God before he brings the darkness before your feet stumble on the darkening hills. You hope for light, but he will turn it to utter darkness and change it to deep gloom. If you do not listen, I will weep in secret. Because of your pride, my eyes will weep bitterly, overflowing with tears, because the Lord's flock will be taken captive. So what I took from that is that God wants us to be like him. But a lot of people are stubborn and they go and follow their own ways. A lot of people have neglected God, but if our life is only attached to this world, then our life will be ruined. Our life is supposed to be patterned after God's life. We shouldn't be proud. We should submit ourselves to him, humbling ourselves under his word and under his mighty hand before he causes darkness before us. We should be more attentive to God's word and the only way that we can be attentive to God's word is to seek his word daily so that the Holy Spirit would give us insight and revelation. So therefore we just have to pay attention and heed to God's word. In Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. My contribution is taken from Jeremiah 8 verse 7 which reads, Even the stalk in the sky knows her appointed season and the dove the swift and the thrush observe the time of their migration but my people do not know the requirements of the lord and statistically speaking the size of a bird's brain compared to an average human is about 10 times indifferent yet god and jeremiah pondered on the question that even though humans are statistically smarter then how is it that even the birds know what to do and where to go the truth of the matter is these birds were never taught what to do they were they were never programmed to do this but they are just following what god ordained them to do in fact isaiah 1 verse 3 tells us that the only creatures that even do not do what god has ordained them to do is us as humans even donkeys and oxen 
they do just what God has ordained them to do, to serve. And, but cre- humans are the creatures that, whenever God gives us a command, our instinct makes us stray away from whatever God says. So we do everything possible not to serve God. And so in our daily life, we need to check our lives. And so as I close my brief contribution, I close with a question for us all to think about. And we must think that, should, are we in our lives wandering humans, resistant to the call of God's destiny, or will we change to be ready to do what God has ordained us to do, like the migratory birds? Amen. Praise the Lord. And my contribution is from Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 16 to um, 19. And it reads, I'll pronounce my judgment on my people because of their wickedness in forsaking me, in burning incense to other gods, and in worshipping what their hands have made. Get yourself ready. Stand up and say to them, whatever I command you. Do not be terrified by them, or I will terrify you before them. Today, I have made you a fortified city, an iron pillar and a bronze wall to stand against the whole land. Against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but will not overcome you. For I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. So what I've picked up from these verses, I'll just pick one at a time. Verse 16, in burning incense, the question that comes to my mind is, what take most of your time? So I think of... In myself, I think, is it work? Is it my children? Is it um, family members? Um, what is it that hinders me or I think in me that stops me from doing the things of God or to be in God's presence most of the time? What do I spend my time in doing? So um, the question that came up, another one was that, um, or the comment was, um, anything you spend, you find yourself doing most of the time, is what you um, burn your incense to. And in verse 18, um, it was an assurance to um, Jeremiah that God um, was telling him. He says, today I have made you a fortified city. Um, Regardless of what was happening around um, around Jeremiah, because he was interceding for God's people, God said he has made him a fortified city. That means he's protected him against everything that would happen. Even God was punishing the people of Israel, God still continues to protect um, and make Jeremiah a fortified city. Praise the Lord. I will be touching on Jeremiah 1, um, verse 9. It says, Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my, my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow to build and to plant. Um, What I got from this is, obviously, God um, touched Jeremiah's mouth and he's made him um, his pillar to go out, to speak his word and to tear down, to uproot. So for myself, I'm like, okay, from the day I said yes to Jesus, I know that I have the Spirit of God inside of me. And God has given me an instruction as a child of God to go out, 
speaking to different people, bringing more people into his kingdom. And also I was thinking about, um, I think it's in Matthew 28, where Jesus Christ was telling disciples and telling them to go out and make disciples of all nations. And just... Yeah, so... Sorry about that. Um, yeah, where Jesus gave command for the disciples to go out, making disciples of all nations and to cast out demons and just for us to know that we do have that power inside of us. So instead of us keeping it to ourselves, we should go out and making disciples, also bringing people to the kingdom of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. My contribution is coming from Jeremiah 16, from verse 11. It says, then say to them, it is because it is because your ancestors forsook me, declared the Lord, and followed other gods and served and worshipped them. They forsook me and did not keep my laws. Twelve says, but you have behaved more wickedly than your ancestors. See how all of you are following the stubbornness of your evil hearts instead of obeying me so i will i will throw you out of this land into a land neither you nor your ancestors have known and there you will serve other gods day and night for i will show you no favor what uh, ministers to me here is that uh, the children of uh, uh, israel here they did they they carried on doing what their ancestors did and, and so God says somewhere else that he said he's going to punish them doubly. He's going to double the, 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 the punishment. And, uh, and then it, this one took me to Ezekiel 18 where God said that um, only the soul that sin that we die. But that because in Israel they were quoting this uh, proverb. So be, this is before, before God intervened in uh, the book of Ezekiel. So uh, my um, encouragement is that that uh, um, we I thank God that we, because we are in Christ, we have already uh, turned away from the sins of our fathers and our forefathers. So we are no longer we can't be uh, uh, punished for their sins. And <laughs> so. Um, we have to be encouraged and we have to be we have we have this assurance that we are in the lord and then so we can only be punished by our for our sins praise the lord praise the lord i'm going to contribute from jeremiah chapter 2 verse 13 to 14 sorry verse 13 it says my people have committed two sins they have forsaken me the spring of living water and have dug their own cisterns broken cisterns that cannot hold water and this just makes me reflect back on the whole of the book of Jeremiah, where it talks about forsaking God and actually following other ways. Um, I think there are two key, two key things you have to look into. There is the effect of what the people of Israel have done, but also um, there is the root cause as well. And the key thing here is the fact that they actually forsook the word of God completely. So if you go back to Deuteronomy 17, which I'm not going to read. Deuteronomy 17, verse 40 to 20, God gave them specific instructions and gave them clear words to abide by and said to them, 
you must read this word out to Israelites constantly um, and make sure that no one actually moves to the left or to the right from them, but actually follow those words. But the people of Israel have actually forsaken Christ completely and actually followed, bring, brought up their own laws and followed the ways of this life. And it just takes us back to the present day church. And I feel each and every one of us, we have a mandate to actually ensure that the word of God is abided by and followed strictly without moving away from it completely. If you look at most churches these days, people interpret God's word based on what suits them. Um, people interpret God's word on what actually they feel like it. But we have that mandate to ensure that God's word is followed and we have to preach the gospel and tell people about Christ regardless of um, whatever we face or whatever we encounter. Our apostle was talking about it on Sunday that the church is going to be persecuted very soon because all the stuff that's going on um, across the world today it would come to a point whereby people would ask your own opinion and you have to tell them what you feel exactly and it will come to a stage whereby actually some of us would not feel comfortable and you would just have to say this word. So the key thing for us here actually is that we do not forsake the word of God and abide by his word. Praise the Lord. My contribution comes from Jeremiah chapter 7 verse 12 to 13. It reads, Go now to the place in Shiloh where I first made a dwelling for my name and see what I did to it because of the wickedness of my people Israel. While you were doing all these things, declares the Lord, I spoke to you again and again, but you did not listen. I called you, but you did not answer. Um, what I took from these scriptures is that God wants the best for us and wants us to do better in our walk with him. And he gives us chance after chance to do the right thing, to walk in a righteous way. And it, this scripture is kind of like a reminder to me that every breath that we have, every day that we are opportune to be alive, is an opportunity for us to do better, for us to walk in a righteous way, for us to be closer to holiness. And yeah, that's what I got from the scripture. Praise the Lord. Um, my scripture is going to come from Jeremiah chapter 15. And I'm going to do verses 1 and... And verse, and verse, um, sorry, it's a great time. And verse 19, verse 1 says, It reveals God in two ways as a God of mercy when a man repents from sin, and a God of judgment when a man refuses to repent. Verse 1 of chapter 15 says, Then the Lord said to me, Even if Moses and Samuel were to stand before me, my heart would not go out to these people. Send them away from my presence. Let them go. And if they ask, where shall we go? Tell them, this is what the law says. Those destined for death to death, those for the sword to the sword, those for starvation to starvation, those for captivity to captivity. When I, the very first time we read this scripture, that word really, really touched me that for God to take, get to a stage whereby he mentions key people in the scriptures that even if they pray to him, he will not listen. It means the sins of the people have come to a stage that it's become unbearable. And that was one of the reasons why he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. But then it went further in, the, in verse 19, whereby God began to say, but the only condition as to why we listen to these people is this. He says... Therefore, this is what the law says, if you repent, I will restore you, that you may serve me. If you offer worthy, worthy, not worthless words, you will be my spokesman, 
Let these people turn to you, but you must not turn to them. In other words, once a man turns back to the Lord, he's a God of mercy and a God of compassion. In Psalm 51, he say, um, David prays, Cast me not away from thy presence, O Lord. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. And, and that's my little contribution. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. At one point in um, Jeremiah in chapter 12, the prophet faced a dilemma. His dilemma was the fact that he was just speaking the word of God and telling people about this boiling pot that was tilting from the north and nobody seemed to care. And they just carried on as if nothing was going on. And what I looked at it is how much of it do we actually hear the word of God? And it belongs to somebody else. I know that was one of the things I had to repent of when I came, uh, when I joined CFT. There was a day someone was, I think Apostle was preaching, and Apostle then turned around and said, Yes, a few of us here today will be saying, and that message will be just perfect for this other person. And that's symptomatic of a lot of us in our lives, in our Christian walk. Here, uh, Jeremiah was going on to sort of complain to God, say, the people are not even listening, you know, I'm, and I'm doing all this work after all um, that God had actually sent him. Similar, similarly, someone like um, um, Habakkuk had a similar problem, um, and I, he talked about it in Habakkuk 1, 2 to 5. Um, Jonah had a similar problem, which is the reason why he actually said he was not going to go to Nineveh and why, you know, he had his encounter. David's one, actually, David had, David looked at that as a matter of fact in Psalm 73. David was talking about it and he said, God, I've started envying, you've allowed evil to fester, so much so that I've started envying even the um, unrighteous, so much so that if you didn't actually save me from envying these unrighteous people, I myself would have actually slipped in Psalm 73. But in, um, in this um, Jeremiah chapter 12, when we look at it there, I think I best read from my scripture here because that is, if we go to that, see that for that, it says, You are always righteous, O Lord, when I bring a case before you, yet I will speak with you about your justice. So, our, you know, the Bible talks about who has got the mind of God that we might instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. Let's always look for the mind of Christ. And if we go on, we see that Jeremiah started speaking the word of God, you know, rather than speak the word of another person. Because he that God sends always speaks the word of God. And God gives us the Holy Spirit, the measure of the Spirit to go with the word that God has given us. Praise the name of the living Jesus. Praise God. I'm taking my contribution from Jeremiah 4, chapter 4, verse 4, which reads, it says, Circumcise yourself to the Lord. Circumcise your hearts, you people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. All my wrath will flare up and burn you like fire because of the evil you have done, born with no one to quench it. For my understanding, the word circumcised in this passage means repentance. God is asking the people of 
the people of um, Judah to repent. Because if you do not repent, he has given them what the consequences will be. If you also follow me to Deuteronomy 10 verse 16... Sorry, yes. Deuteronomy 10, verse 16. It also says the same thing. Circumcise your heart, therefore, um, sorry, circumcise your heart, therefore, and do not be stiff-necked any longer. And it goes down to, uh, from 17 to 18, to tell, to tell the people of Israel what will happen to them if they do not circumcise their heart. So basically, from these verses, God is saying that when you circumcise your heart, he will look after you. Even the widows, he will look after them. The fatherless, he will look after them. The foreigners, he will look after them. So what I take from this passage is that in our daily life, we must make sure that we align our purpose to God's purpose. We must always remember that God, our creator, owns us. We did not come to this world with anything. Neither are we going to go back with anything. So on our daily life, we must recognize that God created us and worship him only. Praise God. Praise God. I'm going to Jeremiah 11, 2 and 3. It said, listen to the terms of this covenant and tell them to the people. God is speaking to Jeremiah. O Judah, and to those who live in Jerusalem, tell them that this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, said. Cause is the one who does not obey the terms of this commandment. And four goes, it goes to four to say, The terms I commanded you and your ancestors when you brought them out of Egypt. What um. What this is telling us is, the Bible says to obey is better than sacrifice. It's telling us to obey the word of God. In Deuteronomy 30.10, it tells us that we should obey the word of God and follow the word of God with all our heart and all our mind, all our being, all, all that we are. We should obey the word of God. There's no shortcut to obey the word of God. When you one word of Every word that is written in the Bible is true. If you follow one, you will not tell me the other one is not right to follow. So we must totally walk with God and obey God. No excuses. The Bible doesn't change. The Bible remains the same. The the, The Bible says our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There is no... um, There is no modernization in the Word of God. The Word of God is the only book on earth, and it is the only word, only manual on earth that remains the same since creation. So the Lord is telling us, and Apostle has been teaching us, to fear the Lord and obey the Word of God. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Um, Shall we look into Jeremiah chapter 1? Verse 4, I read, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, 
sets you apart. Appointed to you, I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alias, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you, and I will rescue you, declare the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my word in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and to tear down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Praise the Lord. My contribution coming from the scripture which we just read is before the Lord formed us, he being God, the Almighty, have formed us for a purpose, for a reason. And this purpose cannot be interchanged. It cannot be switched. In fact, whoever that comes to earth that do not leave this purpose, no matter what you achieve materially or whatsoever, at the end of it, the person didn't fulfill his destiny. In fact, if destiny is to come to play, it is what are we created for? And in this, you do not... (laughs) Praise the Lord. In conclusion, I want to say, let us live to ask God, Father, may your will be done in my life. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So my contribution is taken from Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 17 to 20. So it reads, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Consider now, call for the wailing women to come. Send for the most skillful of them. Let them come quickly and well over us till our eyes overflow with tears and water stream from our eyelids. And in verse 20, it goes on further to say, now you women, hear the word of the Lord. Open your ears to the words of his mouth. Teach your daughters how to well. Teach one another a lament. And um, why this stood out to me um, in the beginning is because in our society, they always tell us that religion, especially Christianity, is just full of patriarchy. So any time that there's a scripture that specifically pertains to women, I always find it interesting because that um, clearly contradicts that. But again, why this stood out to me is because um, the scripture spoke of the skill in wailing, and these two words are almost um, opposite. Because one would, in society, would consider wailing to almost be a weakness, but the Bible is describing it as a a skill. So from this, and I think from what Reverend Omer said, it's almost like a special grace that's been given to women to wail out to God. So there's um, a skill that you can have that you can cry out to God from your heart and immediately heaven will hear you. I think that's something that Reverend Omer said on the day. And what I got from this is um, really the importance to continue to pray a lot. And um, sometimes you can have the tendency of being too religious. So you might have a problem or a situation and you might continue to go in the, in the spirit of it is well, it is well. And yes, it is well. 
but in this life um, it's about balance so while you might speak positive things over your current situation it's also important to be sincere with God and cry out to him because I found it really interesting that this is this is written in the middle of a scripture where God is speaking about all the horrible things that he's going to do to Jerusalem but in the midst of that he's still calling on this special skill of women to cry out to him so yeah that's really what I learned from that just the importance to be sincere to God and to cry out to him from our hearts praise the Lord that's really we've got so much message from this um, book of jeremiah that we've all shared and i believe that every one of us we are listening yeah yeah i, I know majority of us are not writing things down but i must say that i've really been blessed we are almost coming to the end of the service but i want to point out point out to us that god when god sent a man in this case he sent jeremiah Jeremiah was faithful enough to carry out the decrees of God. Mommy mentioned one thing about the book of Jeremiah or the calling of Jeremiah, that it was a difficult task he was given. He was raised at a very, very young age to communicate a very difficult message that would not be taken in well by the elders, by the kings. He was sent not only to the people of Jerusalem or Judah, but he was sent to the prince, he was sent to the kings, he was sent to the government of officials, and he, he handled his calling very well. And throughout, from the stage that we are, we've read up to 17, we knew all the persecutions that Jeremiah had to go through. Persecutions of people trying to wage war on him, try to silence him because he was declaring the truth. And we can identify with the same thing because in our own days, anyone who has made up their mind to live a godly life, be ready to face persecution, be ready to be hated, be ready to be criticized. And Jeremiah had the opportunity, we didn't go through in chapter 17 roundabout, he had the opportunity to just, you know, give up and throw in the towel and said, no, I'm no longer doing this. The people are criticizing me. In fact, they're even about to kill me. When we are going through these scriptures, we found out that they are ready to even kill him, to get rid of him and silence him. But he held on to the word that was said from the beginning, Jeremiah chapter 1, that I have put my words in your mouth. Do not be afraid of them. If you are afraid of them, then I will terrify you before them. That was the message. But he held on to that word. What is the word that God has given you? Each one of us, like one of the contributors said, that each one of us have a mission. We've all been called, and our attacks differ from one another. And that is why Jeremiah knew his calling, and he never, uh, uh, never ascribed to be somebody else. In his days, he wasn't the only prophet. There were quite a long number of them. Daniel was there. Isaiah was there. So each one of them mind their own calling. He knew what he was sent. He was sent to Judah. He was sent to Jerusalem, and he he ended that very well. What is the calling God has given you as a person? And are you faithful in your calling? Are you faithful in your calling? Or are you being distracted by all the persecution that is going around? 
God wants us to maintain focus. But the key issue of his message and the key issue of the fact that he was called to speak to the people of Judah was in that chapter 2. I think uh, Dickin um, Tammy mentioned it, verse 13. He said, what is the sin that my children have committed? The two sins that they have committed why he sent Jeremiah to the, to, to the people of Judah and Israel was that first, they are forsaking God, the spring of living water, and two, they have dug their own systems, broken systems that cannot hold water. And knew when we were treating chapter 2, Israel was a chosen race, and God wants to lavish himself on Israel. He wants to lavish himself on his people. He wants to distinct them. God's intention is to distinct Israel from the face of the earth. So everything that they need to stand firm and to walk in godliness is already provided for them, both spiritual-wise and physical-wise. He's enriched them with everything. And he says that God was their springs of living water. We, we, when we were looking into that scripture, we found out that no man can live without water. No man can live. Water is something that we, is crucial. In fact, about 75% of our body carries water. Doctor, can you? Yeah. So our body itself, if we lack water, we start to dehydrate. And there are so many other things. No many medical condition that is attached to that in dehydration. When you are dehydrated, then you start feeling dizzy. When you start feeling dizzy, then you can pass out. And people can even actually die from dehydration. But God said that he is our streams of living water, and Israel forsook that. So in our own days, there are so many examples that were made. How are we forsaking God? We forsake God when God has now become like um, a commoner. We, are ju- we, just, he's, we, we, we just take him for granted. It's as if we, before we, don't, we can't do without him, but now it's like we are now getting used to him. So when we refuse to be in his presence, we forsake him. Refuse to study the word of God, we forsake him. Apostles have made our Bible study so easy, isn't it? How many of us are now like current with the Word of God? I can say that I, I, sometimes I'm like I can do without even reading all of that. I have to start reading all over again. But thank God he has made it easy. There is two chapters. So nobody, none of us will have excuse not to read the Scripture. When you forsake that... When you forsake reading the word of God, you are forsaking God. The things that was your first love before, and you decided to make God your secondary, then you are forsaking God. And he said that not only that, they have dug their own system. So they, they walk according to their own imagination. They no longer consider God as their priority. They don't take, have God in their contemplation any longer. So there are many ways we can forsake God. We can as well say that, oh, Israel is this, Israel is that. But let's look inward. That is why we come to the Bible school. To say how has the sin of old, how is it relating to our modern day life? How is it affecting me as a person? How is it affecting my family as a person? But in his own time, 
he made the, the message, he passed the message on. Even though it wasn't easy, he passed the message on. But to conclude, in that same chapter, verse, chapter 2, verse 11, he said, As a nation ever changed his gods, yet they are not gods at all. And that brought me to the contribution that our little apostle contributed. You see, the only being that God has problem with is the, is the people that are created in his own image and his own likeness. The sun has not in one day said, I refuse to shine. Yeah? The moon has not decided, oh, I'm no longer going to come out at the time I'm supposed to come out. The day has not said, that, oh, I'm not going to switch over and hand over to the night or vice versa. But it is the man that God is having problem with. And that is why when you read the book of Jeremiah, you can actually see the heartbeat of God. That's why the fact that he's angry, still the merciful kindness and tender heart of God is still showing. He will, with one hand said he's dragging them away. With another hand he's saying, just return unto me. Return unto me with all your heart. And that is to tell us that there is no sin that God cannot forgive. If we can just humble ourselves and return to him wholeheartedly, God wants to woo us unto himself. So God is saying here, as a nation ever changes God, those who serve graven image, they are proud of it. And they serve it wholeheartedly. They give their own dedication and loyalty to their God. How much more we that we are serving the only true God? Why should we deny God? Why should we forsake God? Why should we change our God? So God is saying it this through Jeremiah. Has a nation ever changed his God? Yet they are not God at all, but they never change their God. They are proud of their God. We say, but my people have exchanged their glorious God for worthless idols. How can you see a God who created the heavens and the earth, the God who put air into you and you are able to breathe freely, and then you now decide to go and bow your head to lifeless objects? God wants us to serve him. And that brings us back, and I want to conclude by saying this, to what Apostle, what the angel ministered to Apostle on the Isle of Patmos. The three things that we make God to lavish his love on us is our loyalty, our dedication, and our commitment to God's service. You test yourself. Put yourself on the scale. The reason why we come to Bible school is to remind ourselves over and over again. Thank God for the turnout tonight, but we need to be consistent. If we have not forsaken our God, then come next Tuesday. When God is ministering to us to come to Bible school, we will not give him excuses. We will not give him any excuse at all. Because if we give him an excuse, then we are forsaking our God. We are backslidden. It's not until we don't see you in church. That is when we know that you are backslidden. A lot of Christians are coming to church, but yet they are backslidden. A lot of Christians are coming to church, but they have made God their second love, in, rather than their first love. So, God is saying to us here, that we should not forsake him. God wants us 100%. He wants our whole self and not just a part of us. And the only way we can show that is our loyalty, our dedication to him, and our commitment to him. God wants to use us as he used Jeremiah. So 
the question I want to leave us here with tonight is that what is the calling of God upon our life? What is the message that God has sent us? Who has the who is our target? Who are we sent to? Some of us it might be our family. It might be our family. Your Jerusalem could be your family. Maybe your family is watching you the way you are serving God before they can commit themselves to God. So how are you serving him? Or have you compromised? When they tell you to lie, you lie. So how are you able to win them over? When your no is not no and your yes is not yes, then how are you able to win your family over? God wants us to be sincere with him. So that is a wake-up call for us. I want us to take it on board, all what we have heard tonight. It is a message that God has sent to us so that we can be sharpened, so that we can be empowered, and so that when Jesus comes, we are ready for him. We do not want to go through all what the Israelites have to go through, seeing the other side of God, the wrath of God. God is a God of mercy. At the same time, he's a God of judgment. Let's love the God of mercy. Let's enjoy the merciful part of God so that we can win heaven and gain heaven at all costs. Amen.